scripture this morning and we'll get into our main text. Uh, we're still continuing through the book of Acts. This morning we'll be in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. And when you're there, someone say amen and I'll begin to read. Amen. All right. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he has sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that <clears throat> of all that he did both in this country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who he has chosen to be God uh, to be God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Verse 43. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Let's pray. Again, Heavenly Father, we just... We just want your Holy Spirit to to go forth and Father, for your power and your might to speak, Lord. We don't want to hear man's opinion. We don't want to hear man's agenda. We want to just hear what the scriptures have to say. So, Father, please uh, speak to our hearts now, Lord. Move in a way that only you can do. Do the work that only you can do. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So as we've been going through, if you've been with us for any length of time, um, the book of Acts is just an extraordinarily uh, important book in the New Testament because it gives the outline, it gives the actual blueprint of how the church is supposed to operate, the early church. I mean, we have all of the resources available to us, all the different technologies, those things are good. In and of, their, in and of themselves, they're not bad or good, they're neutral. But the thing is, we can tend to rely on activities and gimmicks and programs and children's ministries when the bottom line is it's just about Jesus Christ. You don't have to be flashy. You don't have to be fancy. You don't have to lure people in with little ponies and balloons and, 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 and you know, um, ice cream. Like I said, those things aren't bad. But at the end of the day, I, I've been told by, by, by mature pastors, and I truly believe this, that it, whatever you bring people in with, you're going to have to keep on supplying that in order for people to want to return. And since we are a true Bible-believing church, we got nothing to offer but Jesus Christ. That's it. We got some free like goodies and stuff in the back because we do that once a month, you know, from the from the Second Harvest Food Bank. But the reality is that's not the stuff that we're offering. What we're offering is a relationship with Jesus Christ, coming to know the true and living God, the one who created and knitted every single one of us in our mother's womb. Whether we knew it or not, he had a, a very specific plan for each and every one of us. You can know that true and living God today. And the book of Acts is an excellent book that outlines exactly how the church is to operate. Again, they didn't have any gimmicks. They didn't have nothing fancy. They prayed. They were known as people of prayer. They prayed to the living God. They acted upon what the Holy Spirit was showing them, and they put their action into faith, and they, they supported one another, and they were witnesses. A witness is someone who simply just says, you know, like on a, on a, on a stand in, in, in a court, what they saw. And, and from that, I mean, it was an explosion that has never been seen before of just the proclamation of Jesus Christ going out to the ends of the earth. And so we truly believe this is what we should stand by. And so we're continuing on in uh, the book of Acts in chapter 10. And previously, there has been this ongoing uh uh, interaction between Cornelius, who is a Gentile, a Roman commander of uh, the cent of a centurion army, and and Peter, who is a Jewish Christian, and 
Today, we are going to see kind of the heart of what this interaction entails. It is the climax of this interaction between Cornelius and uh, Peter. In this brief but effective sermon, Peter lays out God the Father's plan of redemption for humanity. We see this encapsulated in these several verses here. Cornelius was seeking the Lord, and this is a great thing. I mean, it's, again, we just saw a, 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 a mother and a daughter who are seeking the Lord, and this is a beautiful thing. But I pose this question. How can someone that is seeking the Lord come to know the Lord unless someone shows them? See, this is the whole thing with a lot of people say, well, I'm a, I, I believe in Jesus Christ, but I don't believe that I need to congregate and, and, and be part of a church. I can just do my own thing and be a Christian because I know that I'm faithful to God and I'm not doing the wrong thing. OK, that's very well good and true. You can do that. But the Bible is clear to not forsake the fellowship of the saints. There is something here when true believers in Jesus Christ get together that you're not going to get from kicking it watching the Super Bowl with your boys or going to the Yahtzee club or going to the car club or doing those other things. Those are not bad things in and of themselves. But here within the body of Christ, there's something supernatural going on. And and in a true Bible believing church, you're going to get that true support you need, whether it is financial, whether it is, uh, you know, in prayer and things that are non tangible, you're going to get that support. And so that's why I say it is good to be amongst other believers. Amen. In the last few verses before what I just read, Cornelius and his family and close friends, they've gathered together in his home and they're awaiting to hear what Peter, this Christian Jew, is going to share with them. Now they're going to get a crystal clear picture of what the good news is, of the gospel, what this gospel message. There are three main points that I want to kind of focus on this morning in, in the brief time that we have. The first is, it is through Jesus Christ that all men are saved. Now, these points, for some of us, they may seem, oh man, I know this already. Come on, man, tell me something I don't know. Again, when, when there is a working in your heart that the Holy Spirit is softening your heart, the, 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 the theme of the cross and the theme of redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ is never going to get old. So if you're sitting there right now and you're saying, man, preacher, man, I don't want to hear this because I already know it. That's already a check in your heart. I'm a just I'm called like it is. I'm a straight shooter because the reality is because we need to constantly hear, constantly be you know reminded of, of what has been done for us. It, it's glorious and great. I mean, to, to really we, we can never even uh, truly understand the depth of what has been done for us to for, for Jesus Christ to die that despicable death, to go to that 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 murder instrument of a cross and lay his life down for the sins of the world. I mean, that's something that every moment we live as we as we've become born again and as we're going through the sanctification process, I mean, it's something that just be you just are joyous about it's beyond any high that you could have off any drug it's beyond any other experience that you can ever you know have you're you're just going to be elated over the fact that wow lord you did that for me you did that for me every individual in this room he did it for if you were the only person on the face of the earth he still would have laid his life down for you because it's that relationship that god the father has with his creation the love the depth of his love the second point is any who have a reverent fear of God and cry out to Jesus Christ for salvation will be accepted in his eyes. Hands down. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what culture you come from, what where you fall in, 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 in you know, the economic uh, spot. If you're, you know, upper echelon, you're, in, you know, a working poor. I, I don't even think there's working poor anymore. It's just, it just, you just are broke or you got money. But either wherever you fall in that, you have the opportunity to have your sins forgiven and to truly be filled with all the joy that you're ever going to need by truly understanding. I cannot change myself. I'm, I'm, I'm sick spiritually. And, and the only remedy is to receive the free gift of salvation. And, and that's for all people. That's the second point. And I guess this plays into the third point, really, because only Jesus Christ can cleanse a person from their sin. 
only Jesus Christ. There's many supposed remedies out there. There are many gods, little g. But there's only one true and living God. There are many deities out there. Um, there are many religions that, well, all the other religions besides the Christian religion, it's work-based. It's I have to do. I have to do. And unfortunately, even in the vein of Christianity, there's been branches off where you have to do. <laughs> I have to do. If I do enough, I will be received by God and I will get my brownie points and I will be able to enter into heaven. True Christianity is the only form of religion. And it's not even religion. It's relationship where it's not me reaching up to God saying, look at what I'm doing. Look at me. I'm doing. But it's him reaching down to us and pulling us out of the muck and the mire. And we are just grateful for that. And it's not work based. See, it's a hard thing for some of us. Some of us in this room, we can't accept a thank you. We can't accept a gift because we feel so lowly about ourselves. We have such a bad perception of who we are that we just can't do it. I mean, I have stories of, you know, my, my stepfather, I, you know, I've known him since I was three years old. I'm, I'm 41 now. I got married when I was, I don't, I don't know, something in my mid thirties. And the day I got married was the first time that I actually hugged that man. That was a first, and, and he didn't even want to hug me. He put, he shook his hand. He has a very hard time accepting love. <clears throat> and that, you know, I'm sure we have many examples of people that we know in our families or just people we know where they just can't accept it for whatever reason. There's things, there's scarring that's gone on in, in their past and they have not allowed the Lord to heal these things. And it's a very delicate, touchy subject. But Jesus Christ can break all that. Amen. He can break all those generational curses and, and, and make you alive again beyond what you could ever believe. But it's about submitting, humbling ourselves and accepting the free gift of salvation. So let's go ahead and look at this first verse. Everybody that's been here at Resilient Life knows I'm long winded. I'll try to I'll, I mean, I'll try to keep it in a timely fashion, but please forgive me if my words go as long as it's the Holy Spirit. I hope you all be OK with that. All right, Acts chapter 10, verse 34, it says, So Peter opened his mouth, and now again, you get this picture in your mind. He's a Jew, a Christian Jew in a house of a bunch of Gentiles. And back then, again, it was like picture the 1950s, 60s in the South. You couldn't have black people talking to white people. You, that's something you're going to get killed for. That's like an interracial relationship back then. You're, you're all getting murked because ain't nobody having it. That's like this. So this man is in this in this this scene speaking to a bunch of Gentiles, people that they did not even consider to be humans. He's saying, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. <clears throat> this statement is so profound, especially for this time in history, because it is the foundation of Peter's new understanding of the gospel that it should be shared with the Gentiles as well as Jews. And if you don't know what a Gentile is, a, G a Gentile is anybody who's not of Jewish descent. So uh, whatever, whatever your nationality, whatever your race is, if you're not Jewish, you're considered a Gentile. That's just how it is. I didn't make it up, take it up with God. That's just what it is. This perspective, again, for, for, for a Jewish man and for a Jewish man to be a Christian at that time, that would get him killed. Because they were so stuck on the law and the letter of the law and let me do the, let me do everything the way I'm supposed to do. They had the crazy, weird washing their hands rituals. I mean, everything. They added laws on top of the laws. They didn't want to hear nothing about Jesus Christ. You're not the Messiah because you're not coming in flaming armor and you're not just taking down the Roman Empire. You're talking about the, 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 the meek. Or, who are poor in spirit or rich. You're talking about love my enemy. How am I going to love somebody who's persecuting me and killing my family? So the Jews at that time had a very distorted perception of who Jesus was. Get that in your mind, because that's that's going to have that's going to hold the gravity of all these things that are going on with Peter. Because this perspective that Peter was holding at this point in time goes directly against the former way of thinking that stated that God was partial to the Jews and not the Gentiles. The Bible is clear that for whatever reason, I'm not in the mind of God. I just understand the scripture as it's revealed to me. God, for whatever reason, chose the Jewish people to be the first instrument, the main instrument that he was going to show his <clears throat> what he wanted for the world to all humanity. I mean, even you look at Israel, I mean, real talk. You look at all the stuff that they've been through, even recently, <clears throat> you know, from the Holocaust, all those things. 
These people have always been persecuted, but there's always been a remnant. And it's because it's a supernatural force that's keeping that small nation that if you look at a globe is actually dead center in the middle of the earth. And there's so much fighting and there's so much bloodshed over that Gaza Strip. It's mind blowing. If you really think about it, even if you look at the news and all the stuff going on right now, there is so much going on over there. And all that stuff going on over there has implications to what's going to go on over here. Right. I'm not going to get into a, a rabbit hole, but it's good for us to be mindful of what's going on beyond our little border of the Bay Area, because there's just a lot of things that are happening in the world. But <clears throat> this whole perspective that 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 they used to be, they think the Jew and there's many Jews that are in Israel now that think God is only for them. God is not for any other people. And that's that's but they're, they're blinded. They're blinded because their eyes have not been open to the truth. Many Jews thought God hates Gentiles and loves Jews. I'll give you an example. It was common it was common back then for Jewish men to start their days praying. And what would they pray specifically? They would thank God that they were not made a woman, not made a slave, and not made a Gentile. You got to understand back then Gentiles and slaves and women, they were all considered to be not even a whole person, like a dog like a dog. So they wouldn't even acknowledge women. Jewish men couldn't even talk to women in public. You had a wife? It's a no-no. Don't talk to your wife in public. You talk to her in the privacy of your own home. We see that in the Muslim religion because it, if you if you follow the trail of the genealogies, we know that Ishmael was born and he bored into the whole Muslim faith. So you see a lot of similarities in that. But even in the Jewish faith, just crazy stuff. That's like us saying right here. If you have a wife, you can't talk to your wife in here. You need to talk to her at home. That's crazy. Walk behind. There's cultures where you can't walk side by side with your wife. And she better not walk in front of you. You know what I'm saying? That the kids and the wife trail behind. That's I mean that but this is real life. This is real talk. And 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 this is what's going on here. This is what they thought. And you know what's even crazier? If a Jewish man back then ever married a Gentile woman, the Jewish community would literally have a funeral for that Jewish person and they would consider that person dead. <laughs> They'd have a, a funeral. This person is still alive in the flesh, heart beating, blood pumping. They can still talk, walk and everything. But they said, you know, what? we're going to have a little ceremonial funeral for you because to us, you're dead in our eyes because we don't have no dealings with anybody but Jewish people. So this is the gravity of what's going on here. <laughs> Peter so revolutionary. He's a Jewish Christian. He's going into a Gentile home and he's sharing about Jesus Christ. This is something that'll get you killed quick. But all of this would begin to change with the spread of the gospel. This whole, this whole distorted way of thinking that Peter uh, empowered, again, it's not in his strength, it's him being empowered by the Holy Spirit being used by the Holy Spirit, submitted to God the Father and Jesus Christ, the Lord is going to use Peter as an instrument to begin to change this perception. Christianity was the first religion to disregard racial, cultural, and national limitations. I think more so now, other religions are doing that because Satan knows his time is short and he's trying to drag as many people to hell with him as he can. So he's like, yeah, I'll accept you. You could be black, white, whatever, mix, whatever. Come come hang with us. But, you know, you got to have discernment and know that ain't right. <clears throat> the application. We, we're, we're heavy on application here. We definitely want to understand the text, but we also want to see how does this text how does this text connect to my life in the 21st century today in 2020? Well, the application here is the gospel today is still for all people, regardless of their backgrounds, regardless of where they come from, regardless of what they've been through. The gospel is free and available to anyone that be willing to accept the love that Jesus Christ has to offer. Let's move on to verse 35. And it says, but in every nation, anyone who fears him, speaking of God, and does what is right is acceptable to him. Now, Peter here wasn't trying to say that Cornelius was already right with God, but that he shouldn't feel excluded from God because of his nationality. Peter was trying to get across, we know you 
don't know everything about the Lord. You're a, you're a Gentile seeking the Lord. You're not accepted by him yet because you haven't received Jesus Christ as, as your savior. But at the same time, you're not excluded. See, and we still have this, this hard time. Some people say, I hate the church. I hate the church because they're so judgmental. They, I come in, they look at me. I, 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 I come in. I, I can't, I can't come in Jordans. I can't wear a hat because you know that's just you know I got to get suited and booted. Obviously, you see, we ain't like that here. I'm over here wearing a beanie. I'm just disheveled. We ain't even. I haven't even shaved because we had to move in the other day. But I mean, the reality is, uh, come as you are. It's not about your. It's not uh, not about at your exterior. If you want to get suited and booted, that's fine. But don't look down on somebody else because they ain't wearing Stacy Adams. They ain't wearing George. They ain't what it is. What it is. It's about the condition of your heart. You feel me? God is an interior designer. He cares more about the condition of your heart, the character of your heart, more than what you look like on the outside. Because you can have no pimples and smell good and this and that, and you can be the most wickedest, cruelest, backstabbing person in the world. And so, you know, like they say, like the world says, looks are deceiving, and they are. An example of, of, of this whole idea that Cornelius should not feel excluded because of his nationality is many people today are in the same position. Many believe that they are okay with God because they pray and try not to do wrong. But our good works never satisfy the righteous wrath of God. It is only by accepting the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that a person can be accepted in the sight of God Almighty. Jesus does not see color. He only sees the heart. Jesus doesn't see economic status. He only sees the heart. Jesus doesn't see nationality or ethnic group. He only sees the heart. And see, this is this is such a big deal because especially living in Western culture, so much is emphasized on your outer exterior. Right. You got to buy the ab crunchers. You got to take the I don't know. I don't know what the pills are they do now, but it's supposed to burn all this fat. You got to be super swole. You got to have this physique where it's like you can fit through a, a Cheerio. I mean, come on now. It ain't real. That's not real for many people. It's not about that. Right. But that's pushed so heavily down our throats that we psychologically become brainwashed by this and we think we have to live up to some standard i'm i'm caught up in it too why do i jeremy was helping me move uh, yesterday he said man you got more shoes than your wife and it's true i got all these jordans i got jordans i ain't even wore you know and it's like what what am i doing am i keeping up with the joneses it's like this is something that that i struggle with you know what i'm saying just because you're the pastor does not mean you don't have issues i got plenty of issues this is a hospital for sick people we're all sick we need the the, the good physician, the great doctor, Jesus Christ to heal us. But again, I, I share that corny little, you know, tidbit of myself because it's the reality that w what are we doing? It's not about the exterior. We need to get over that and get to the heart of the matter, truly, no, pun intended. It's about your character, your conduct. That's what the Lord is after. Because all this, as we know, it's all going to fade away. At 41, I'm getting gray. You know, it's like it's becoming harder to, to, to keep the muscle, everything, you know, gravity. <laughs> it's because we one day are physically going to be gone. So it's not about that. It's about what's going to last for eternity. And it, it's your conduct, your character, your heart, the essence of who you truly are. And as for us as Christians, who we are in Christ, that should supersede all the other stuff. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with material things. I don't want to come up here and preach that if you have wealth or if you're somewhat moderately well off, that you're a bad person and you should sell your house. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But it's being mindful and being aware of what's really got a hold of you and what's really what really has your focus. All right, let's move on to verse 36. It says, As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. This statement by Peter supports the deity of Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord of all, meaning he's Lord over Jew and Gentile. Every person that's ever been created, whether they want to accept it or not, Jesus Christ is Lord. Have you ever wondered why we would say, maybe some of us still say it now, hopefully we don't. You get a hammer, you're nailing something, you hit your thumb, and immediately what comes out? You're saying, Jesus Christ. Why are you even saying his name? Why you ain't saying Muhammad? Why you ain't saying Harry Kishna? Why you ain't saying whatever, the little cat with the, with the fist pump? <laughs> because there's power in that name. And Satan would love to do 
everything to mock that name. There's no other name. There's no other name that comes under as much scrutiny as the name of Jesus Christ because Satan knows that there's power in that name, that Jesus Christ is real. He's not a figment of your imagination. He's not some character made up at Disneyland. This is the true and living God who came down 100% man, 100% God to live and die a perfect life to rectify all of creation. And that's so heavy that a lot of us, we just write it off. But like I said, in our subconscious, and again, when people say the, the, the GD, why are you saying that? Why are you saying that? We don't even know. <laughs> but there, again, because there, 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 there's substance there. And again, Satan would love to mock the Bible is clear to explain to people that Jesus is Lord. Philippians chapter 2 verses 10 and 11 speak to us and it says, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you hear what this verse is saying? He's saying the created angels in heaven. You know, in, in the third heaven, right? There's different realms. Those angels are bowing constantly at the name of Jesus Christ on earth. Whether we do it willingly, humbly, or we're forced to, we are going to bow. Under the earth, the fiery pit that wasn't even made for people, made for Satan and his minions, them too, all them demons, are going to bow at the name of Jesus Christ. Better that you and I bow now humbly, willingly, than be forced to and spend an eternity without him. See, hell and all that is not about it's a fiery pit. There is going to be gnashing of teeth. There is going to be torment. But I believe, honestly, as the scripture points out, the biggest torment is separation from God and the Trinity for eternity, we were created to have deep, intimate, undisturbed relationship with God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. When a person dies in their sin and does not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, there is an eternal separation. Eternal. Meaning, I you can't write enough zeros to comprehend what eternity it, it hurts. I can't explain it because it hurts my brain. I'm, a, I'm just a finite human being. It's not for me to understand eternity beyond the fact that it's beyond my comprehension. But to be apart from the true and living God for that extent of time, that's the most, that's so, that's so much agony. Because the joy, the peace, the love, it's all gone. And all you have, have you ever had that, 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 that deep grieving? Like if somebody close to you dies... And you're apart from them. You will not see them in this realm again. That feeling is the feeling a million times on of what it's going to be if you die and I die apart from Jesus Christ as our Savior. And I believe that is the true tragedy, not the fact that it's the it's the fire and, and, and the brimstone. Now, that that's also on top of it. That's not good. I don't, who wants to smell sulfur forever? That nasty egg smell. But I mean, this is the reality. And, 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 and not enough pastors preach on this. The fact that your eternity hangs in the balance. This morning, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your true Savior, your eternity hangs in the balance. <coughs> the free gift is here. Accept it. Accept it. And walk out of here changed forever. Amen? Verse 37, it says, You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. The fame of Jesus Christ had spread all throughout Judea and Galilee. Remember John the Baptist? John the Baptizer? He witnessed to the one far greater than himself. That was his whole ministry, was to point to someone greater than himself. He was not the Christ. He was pointing to the Messiah. What an honor and a privilege to be able to be used in that manner. Today, you and I can, can live in that like-minded way to point people to the true Messiah, to point people to salvation, away from death, away from eternal separation from God, but point them to life, to life eternal in Jesus Christ. 
John chapter 1, verse 15. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. The application. What is the application for this? How do we, how does this apply to my life? How is this applicable to me today? How can I see this relevant in my life? Well, the reality is this is true for every single believer. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an elder. You don't have to be a deacon. If you're a true born again believer, you're a saint. We're all saints. For every saint, our ministry should also point people to Jesus Christ. Nothing more Nothing less. You see, because a lot of people like to get up here and they like to say and talk about a whole lot of other stuff. And they ain't talking to nobody about Jesus Christ. They talk about how you can line your pockets. <laughs> if you give that that if you give that that offering, oh, it's going to double up that whole that that whole, you know, we, we're going to prosper. We're going to prosper the prosperity gospel. You already know that's not real. You already know that's not right. That's the work of Satan. That's not good. You can. You can have all the material things that you want, not saying they're bad, but if your heart's not right with God, all that material wealth is really just a curse. <laughs> it's just a curse. It's, it's better to live within your means and have what the Lord gives you than have all this. And then all you're doing, the Bible talks about you stressing out off of my 401k. Where is this money invested? Who's trying to rob me for this? And it's like, you ain't got no sleep. You're all stressed out. Millionaire stressed out. What good is that? What good is that to be a billionaire and you don't even have sanity and peace? It's not about that. But on the other hand, you could be a billionaire. You could be saved and you could be just living it like, you know, you're good. And you're also being a great blessing to many people. You see, money, again, is not is 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 is, is not the, the ends, but it's a means to an end. It's neither it's neither good nor evil, but it's the love of money. You know, it's the lust after money. We uh, and God knows because we live in this fallen world, the way the world system is set up, we got to use finances. Yeah, but don't let it own your life. Don't don't live for the, the 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 mighty dollar. Live for the mighty God, who created, who allowed humans to create this currency. All right, we're kind of winding down here. Acts chapter ten, verse thirty-eight and thirty-nine. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. There's so much doctrinal meat in this, right? You don't have to be a seminary student. You don't have to you don't have to be this this wise person to understand these things. Childlike faith, childlike faith. You know, God the Father knows. He made it so simple, so easy for us to understand. The key thing that we should take away from this is that Peter didn't change up his message for the Gentiles. It was the same exact message that he preached to the Jews. He presented the person and the work of Jesus Christ. If you are ever in any church setting and the person that's behind the pulpit is not sharing that, get out of that place because that's not a true church of the living God. That's a den of Satan. <laughs> and, and, and they're trying to persuade you to go another way. It's all about Jesus and the blood of Jesus Christ. It was the same exact message that he preached to the Jews he presented, like I said, the work of Jesus Christ with an emphasis on his resurrection and our responsibility to respond to this truth. You see, it's not just God did all this and we're not saved by works. I'm not saying that. Don't please don't misconstrue what I'm sharing. But there is a responsibility on our part. When the, the, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that Jesus comes and he, do he knocks upon the door of your heart. He knocks upon the door of every person's heart. He's knocking. He's knocking. Are you going to let him in? Whether you decide to open the door of your heart or not, that's your responsibility and mine. There are many people that the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe he's been knocking so hard, he's actually starting to tug. <laughs> and we're resistant. We're like, we got cinder blocks behind the door of our heart. And we're like, I'm not letting you in. He's a gentleman. 
He's not going to, he's not the big bad wolf. He's not going to huff and puff and blow your house down. He's going to wait for you to humbly, <laughs> willingly, right? We are not robots. Everything is free will. Just like Adam and Eve, they were given a direction. They could have chose to be obedient. They chose the other way. And hence, sin entered the world. It's the same thing. We have a responsibility. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 tells us, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Those are powerful words. These principles are living and active. If you and I sow to our flesh, we will reap death and destruction. But if we sow to the Spirit, we will reap eternal life. Do, do, you, do you see the grave difference between the two? Someone who is living for this world, I say it all the time. They, the, the, what is the, 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 one of the biggest catchphrases now? Live your best life now. They don't have no concern for eternity. Just trying to get everything they can get now and live it up. If you live like that, this is going to be your best life now because you have no hope of an eternity with God. You will be estranged from him, apart from him for eternity. And what will it mean? You, there is no, there's never been a U-Haul hitched to any casket. You cannot take it with you. So is it good even if, I mean, the Bible's clear, you'll max out at 120 years. So even if you live 120 years, is it worth it to have all that and, and sow to your flesh for 120 years and then live apart, apart from God, the Father, for eternity? I think not. The application is we are responsible to respond to the gospel. The more you know, the more you are accountable for if you have heard the truth of Jesus' sacrificial love, you can't claim ignorance. None of us in this room, I don't care if this is the first time you've heard it, after today, you cannot claim ignorance because you have been exposed to the truth of Jesus Christ and his love for you. And so if you choose to walk away and say, you know what, I'm good. I don't I don't want your free gift because my life is okay or I got time. Maybe I'll do it two months from now. You and I don't know what tomorrow holds. The Bible says, if the Lord wills, may these things happen. I can walk out this this room tonight or this afternoon and get hit by a car and be dead or just, you know, hypertension and collapse in that lobby. It is what it is, you know. So make your peace with God now because we are held accountable to respond to the truth that we are exposed to. These verses also pointed to the fulfillment of an ancient prophecy that the Messiah would die on a tree, die on a cross, however you see. All right, Acts chapter 10, verses 42, 40, excuse me, to 42. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Right here, it's just saying Peter was stressing the point that the disciples, that when Jesus came back 40 days after he had resurrected, that they actually ate and drank with him. Remember Thomas, doubting Thomas, I don't believe you. I don't believe you're the Messiah. What did Jesus say? Put your hands in the holes. Thomas did it. And then the Lord said, blessed are those that have believed and have not seen me. So if you really think about it, if you look at the context of that verse alone, if you're sitting in this room and you believe Jesus Christ is your savior, you are more blessed than Thomas because you haven't seen him. Neither have I. But we're believing. We're trusting Jesus. You're real. This is true. What is said about you is real and you will come back again. Your second coming will be a vengeance and won't be. He's not going to come as a baby in a nasty, dirty, stinky barn to grow up, to live 33 years and give his life. He's going to come back with a sword out of his mouth to judge the earth. That's off the hook. I'm trying to reign with him for a thousand years sitting at the king's table. It's going to be awesome. Peter then went on to share that Jesus would be the only one worthy of judging the living and the dead. 
and rightfully so. He's the creator of the world. Let's look at this last verse as we wrap it up. Verse 43, to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is kind of the crux of this whole message. This is, again, not widely talked about, not widely uh, appreciated because people shy away from it. But down through the ages, this is the most single important fact that no man, woman or child can ever get around. You can't hide from it. You can't dodge it. You can't ignore it. The elephant in the room has always been sin. People hear that word and cringe. I hear that word and I cringe. I'm like, it's just, it's vile. It's nasty. It's degrading. You got to understand, God is holy, meaning he's set apart, meaning he's pure, he's perfect, he's righteous. He can have no dealing with the despicability of sin, the nastiness, the griminess, the wretchedness of it. And that is why Jesus Christ had to die. Pure blood, perfect blood had to be shed. People say, man, y'all are weird as Christians. I used to think this. I was like, it's a cult. Y'all y'all drinking juice and eating crackers, talking about flesh and blood because I didn't have a concept. I didn't have the right framework. We have to understand blood is the life-giving force. Back in the day, they had the Day of Atonement. They had to slaughter an animal for every person. They would say that the priest's garment, it would, the, that the temple smelled like a slaughterhouse because of all the blood Every animal he had to kill just for the sins of the person for that year. They had to do it over and over and over. And Think about if you were 50 years old. Man, I'm bringing these animals. It's been 50 years. And these animals got to get killed. I can't. St- I don't like uh, what is that? Whatever that thing that people eat where it totally smells like iron liver. Uh, my mom tried to feed me that when I was a youngster. It's disgusting. I can't stand the smell of iron. I don't like to give blood. I don't like going to the hospital. But it was like that, that stench and that wretchedness. If, you ever, if you've ever worked in a meat market, you know what I'm talking about. If, you, if you've been around a butcher, you know the nastiness of blood. But it's because it's the life-giving force. So God the Father said, enough of these bulls and cows. It does not appease me. It's like putting a Band-Aid on an open wound. He gave his only son past, present, and future. No more death. No more blood that needs to be shed. And that is the significance of this statement. The reality is many people just don't want to believe that they're born sinners. My daughter is, how old is she this, how old is she this week? Three, almost three months. As, as, as cute and cuddly, and I say this all the time, it's true though, as cute and cuddly and beautiful as she is, she's a bundle of sin. She's a, bu- I mean, she's a bundle of sin. Her natural bend is towards selfishness and everything that is opposed to God. That's why you have to be born again. That's why you have to have the Holy Spirit baptize you and be invigorated with his spirit. And then you can start to live the correct right way, the way that's pleasing to God. Just look at the world. People without Christ, look how they live. Even when we try to do good, we still do wrong. We do it for selfish gain. We do it for selfish motives. We do it so we can look a certain way. So my portfolio can look like this. So I can be esteemed. So I can have a a, a, a big auditorium with my name on top of it because I've given so much money for charitable acts. So I'm, I'm, I'm working with inner city youth. You don't love those kids. You're doing it for a tax write-off. Keep it real. I don't speak on it. It's the reality. We don't want to believe that we're sinners born into this, but it's the truth. We think that we're decent, good people. Maybe we are by our own standards, but by God's standards, we all miss the mark. That's what sin is. It's like shooting an arrow and you never hit that bullseye because you can't. You can't. I can't. I'm I'm a sinner saved by grace. Don't think that I'm somebody special because I'm not. Don't think you're somebody special because you're not. You're saved by grace, and for that we praise God, and for that we love one another because we understand. When you understand that, you don't start, you don't judge other people. You're like, it's all good, bro. I, I, I see you. I see you. I've been there, done that. We're good, bro. I'm one beggar showing another beggar where to get some bread. That's it. That's it. There's a level of humility that comes when you understand who God is and who you are and how you can honestly just accept the grace and the mercy 
and so much weight is lifted off your shoulders. You don't have to live by performance. Sin is a terrible thing because it separates us from God. We are all in need of forgiveness for our sins, and only the blood of Jesus Christ has the power to do so. As the worship team comes, comes up, I'm going to end with these verses in a quick example. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. And this speaks clearly to this idea of, of, of sin and us needing to be saved. It says, but if we walk in the light and he, excuse me, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. See, you can't be saved and hate your brother. You can't be saved and say, I don't like them. I don't like them South Americans over there. I don't like them Asians over there. I don't like them Middle Eastern cats. You can't. You can't. That proves that you're not saved because you have hate for other people. I'm not saying get walked all over, but the scripture is clear. We have fellowship with one another. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see, it's not about a program. It's not about going to a church and them saying, you need to take these classes. You need to fill out this form and then you'll be right with God. You think they did that back in the day? They ain't chipping off forms and all that. Don't, don't. We, we making, we making an organism an organization. We made church into a business. It's not about that. Yes, render to Caesar what Caesar's. But we believe here at Resilient Life Church, it's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. What did this, the word, the word just said, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. You don't got, don't confess them to me. I ain't that dude in a dark room. Wearing a cross, do not come to me with that. You go directly to the Father. You have access because the veil's been torn when Jesus went to the cross. That's a personal thing. That's a private thing. But you are given freedom by doing that. Notice it says through his name. And you can, you can play a little something. It's all good. I, I prefer that you play because it just kind of it gets me going. You know what I'm saying? Notice it says through his name. Many people want to talk about God how they love God and how they know God. You know, because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a sports guy and, and I love watching the football games and I love college. I love pros. Niner, go Niners. I don't know if there's any Niner fans up in here. Boy, we in the Super Bowl, baby. It's been a long time coming. 25 years. Let's go. Jimmy G got to get them. Sorry. Anyways, maybe, uh, what is it? Not monster. The running back. He's running crazy. But anyways, Many people talk about God, right? It's interesting that only some people will say Jesus Christ. A lot of people say God. Like to give, like to give thanks to God. Like to give, and I'm not, and I'm not making a mockery of these people because I don't know their hearts. Maybe they know Jesus or not. But if they know Jesus, why not share His name? Why not say it? Especially if you're on a national stage, why don't why not say it? Let people know who the true and living God is. It's Jesus Christ. We come to the Father through Him. I cannot come to the Father by just saying, God, that's ixnay. It don't work. That's not the code that unlocks. It doesn't unlock anything. And it's not a formula. I'm not being formulaic, but it's Jesus Christ. Do you really have a relationship with Him? To know about God and to have a relationship with God are two separate things. This is my example, and I'll go ahead and end in closing prayer. I know a lot about Michael Jordan. I'm wearing the Bread Elevens now. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, it just is well, I'm not bragging. If it's taken like that, I'm sorry. He's a six time NBA champion, he's one of the all time greats that the NBA has ever seen. He owns an iconic shoe brand. I know this about him. I know this about him. This doesn't mean that I have a relationship with Michael Jordan. I have no relationship with him. If anything, I'm helping him line his pockets. He's making money off me hand over fist because I got more shoes than my wife sitting in the closet. And they all Jordans. 
It takes more than knowing about someone to have a relationship with them. You need to spend time and hang out to have a relationship. Jesus Christ wants to hang out with you. He wants to make his home in your heart. He wants to have a thriving relationship with you. We're not saved by our relationship, but our relationship is a byproduct of a submitted life to his will. It's actually the other great blessing that we receive when we become saved. Not only are we saved for eternity when we accept Jesus in our hearts as our savior, but we're also fulfilled presently. You will begin to see you don't have the desire for all the other things before. You know, like I said, I'm a sports guy. It's cool to watch a game. NFL's long, man. <coughs> NFL game like four hours, man. <laughs> I can, my wife's like, you're not watching football all day. It doesn't fulfill like Jesus. It doesn't fulfill like the Lord. It doesn't fulfill like the love that you have for your brother or your sister in Christ's name. And that's what he provides. When you truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will learn to rest in him and find your contentment in him. You will discover your true purpose for being created to glorify and honor him while being satisfied by the one who created you. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. We'll also pray for communion and those who feel led. Uh, please take it. Um, but we are not to take. Go ahead. You're doing great, bro. <laughs> you know, just don't take it in an unworthy manner. We don't want to trample on the blood of Christ. We do it as a, a recognition, a symbolism of understanding what has been done for us. His body broken for us. His blood shed for us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your wisdom, your direction, your vision. Father, we submit our lives before you because we know we don't have the way. We don't know which way to go. We can't get through that dark tunnel called life unless you light it up and walk with us. Actually, if you actually carry us, Lord, we don't even have the strength to do it at all. David said, "As I though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall feel no evil. And Father, we believe that. We want that to be a reality in our lives. So as the word has gone out, Father, I pray that you would break down walls in hearts, Lord, that you would just beckon your sons and daughters to come to the table to feast, Lord, to be with you, Lord, that, that they would dine with you and you with them. Lord, as we take this communion, Lord, may we remember what has been done for us, your body that's been broken, your blood that's been shed. Father, may we truly understand the great sacrifice it cost you and let us understand it and receive the greatest gift we could ever receive the salvation of our souls we pray this in jesus christ's mighty name amen mm -hmm.